Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 246 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Sunday, March 18, 2012. On tonight's show, going to be sharing a story of how family medicine made a difference this week and saved the closing of the Family Medicine Residency Training Program in Bakersfield, California. If you want to hear how a small group of thoughtful people could change the world, you want to stay tuned to this show. All that and a lot more coming up on episode 246 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, the president of the American Academy of Family Physicians, Dr. Glenn Stream. Um, this year, one of my commitments and, and a great interest is to be more engaged with you as leaders, chapter leaders, uh, and, and our frontline membership. Uh, on, on Monday, a Twitter handle, I'm privileged to be the first one to hold, uh, at AFP Prez, P-R-E-Z. I already have 29 followers. I feel so proud. Um, I have a long, long way to go to catch up to uh, our current student board member, Kevin Bernstein, who has a little over 1,000. Um, and our, uh, our king of family medicine social media, uh, Mike Sevilla, who has nearly 7,000 uh, members. about medicine and social media. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. I am your host. My name is Mike Sevilla, family physician and social media enthusiast. What is this show about? Well, tonight, we'll be telling the story of family medicine and how it impacted a community out there in California. Check out the website here for this show. And for the website there, go to familymedicinerocks.com. Shout out to all 8,658 people following me on Twitter at Dr. Mike Sevilla. Why? I have no idea, but thank you so much for that. Also, uh, shout out to all 355 people who like the Facebook page. Thank you so much for that. Today is Sunday, March 18, 2012. It is 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. And here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, it is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Had some rain here in the past few hours, but now that is all cleared out of here. So how's your week been going there, kids? Are you, are you, are you surviving uh, from uh, St. Patrick's Day yesterday? You know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, thanks for everybody who uh, listened to last night's show. It was a very good time, episode 245. I encourage you to go and uh, check that out. Uh, not not going to be as serious as tonight's show, but we had a good time uh, last night. So thank you, everybody, who uh, downloaded the show and also listened live. Thank you so much for that. Also, shout-out to all those who just took part in the healthcare communication social media chat on uh, Twitter, the HCSM uh, chat. Uh, greetings to all you stragglers from over there who were tweeting for an hour. Just relax now. We're going to be hanging out and having a good time. Uh, coming up uh, will be uh, my good friend, uh, Dr. Michelle Kiyogi, who is the president of the Kern County Academy of Family Physicians. She will share her point of view when it comes to uh, this uh, very pertinent topic of the Kern Medical Center in Bakersfield, California, their family medicine residency program, and the power of the FM revolution, the family medicine revolution, and also advocacy, and uh, this uh, story begins about a month ago in uh, late uh, February 2012, and I was able to uh, communicate uh, with uh, Tiffany Pierce, who I believe is a, a graduate of that program, and uh, she many are crediting her with kind of breaking the news and uh, starting 
to spread the information um, about the announcement of the closure of the program in late February. And I'm going to read a statement here uh, that uh, she sent me just in the past uh, couple of hours. I very appreciate uh, Tiffany uh, sending me a, a note here. Um, and uh, she starts like this. Um, I decided to post something on Facebook as soon as I heard. It made me feel really sad and seemed like something that as many people as possible should know about as quickly as possible so we could fix it. I don't really do much with Twitter and don't have a blog. After posting on Facebook, I called the California Academy of Family Physicians uh, and uh, started getting the thing, getting the ball rolling that way. Um, and she was given the uh, information for the local health reporter in the area, and uh, she contacted her. She says, I heard about it uh, 30 minutes after the residents heard. I helped form the resident union at the KMC, Kern Medical Center, and uh, the union staff was still in contact with me. The chief resident called uh, as they were being told. It was posted on Facebook less than an hour after it was announced. Um, as I was told by faculty in the program, the CEO had not made any indication that the program was in serious danger. The faculty had even asked if they should interview students prior to the rank list being due. The CEO called the program director an hour prior to the rank list and told him to stop immediately. The next day, the residents were told originally uh, the CEO said that the first and second years should start looking for other positions, but this news came after the match and closed them to find other new positions. As far as looking into ch for changes to the program, I think the program uh, uh, have room to grow in ways to better and more efficiently train residents and help patients, she says. However, the issue with, uh, was ultimately a political one and doesn't really speak to the health of the family medicine program at KMC. The Board of Supervisors saw right uh, through the CEO's political posturing. He has a vendetta against the family medicine department, she says. Uh, the way he uh, prepares the budget shows all the costs of the family medicine program and none of the revenue that brings in by providing labor to the more lucrative departments. The issue was not an issue about finances, but about politics, she says. It's easy to say this program is expensive, so let's get rid of it. Instead, uh, this program stands up for themselves, and their patients too much cause, too much work, so let's get rid of them. No one is saying that part aloud. The CEO originally said that the program loses $6 million a year and then changes to $5.5 million. He at one point said a third of that is resident salaries. Uh, which means that each resident should be making more than $100,000, which is clearly a lie, she says. He also says that uh, the share of KMC expenses that belong to family medicine is something like $2.3 million, but cannot uh, itemize it. The Board of Supervisors saw right uh, through his voodoo accounting. KMC does not provide uh, efficient infrastructure to bill for services that is uh, the number one place to look for find money to find support education of family medicine residents. Uh, and then she ends up by saying, yes, there are ways that the uh, current medical center family medicine program can change to make a program work better for the residents, uh, but that's not what this is all about. So she's saying that it is political, and uh, that was some of the readings and some of the research uh, that I uh, obtained as well in uh, researching this story. Um, I also uh, got a statement uh, from the California Academy of Family Physicians, uh, and uh, it is, um, you know, like a lot of other communities, that uh, Bakersfield is a, is a difficult market, um, similar to many other uh, communities these days. Uh, so, um, you know, this, this is kind of, you know, the, the beginning of the story. And as the word started spreading around, uh, by this group of people. Uh, the uh, newspaper there started to uh, take notice. They uh, uh, wrote some editorials uh, favorable to keeping the program open, um, and that just started to continue uh, to you know build the 
knowledge and to build the information in the community. The, the local television station also picked up the story as well. Um, and um, you know, this past week, they, they decided to keep the program open, which is great. Um, but of course, there is more to this story than what is being reported, um, you know, in the uh, newspapers and uh, in the uh, television <laughs> reports. And uh, that is why uh, Dr. Michelle Kiyogi is going to be coming on in just a couple of minutes to share her side of the story and uh, uh, continue, you know, uh, letting people know, you know, how important family medicine is not only to that community, uh, but also uh, to this nation. And I'm very excited to be uh, talking with her. But first... I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for having me being a featured host here on the network. Thank you so much for that. I've been a social media hobbyist since uh, 2005. And if you're curious, yes, me, myself, and I, I am a family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the hospital and in my office here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. I'm going to take a little bit of a break here, and then uh, we'll bring Michelle on to uh, talk about her story here on the show, which is very important for the Family Medicine Revolution, Family Medicine Advocacy. You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. Just Google FM Revolution for more details. Also a member of the ProMed Network of Podcasts. You can get there by going to promednetwork.com, and we will be right back. Family Medicine's leading voice in social media in my own mind. Uh, this is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast on a Sunday night here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. And on the line with us uh, from, uh, I guess, rainy California. I usually say sunny California, but it's uh, rainy out there. Uh, Dr. Michelle Kiyogi, thank you so much for the time. Hi, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so uh, your group out there has been causing a lot of trouble. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think it's I think it's great what you guys are uh, doing out there, and it's a, a raise awareness and uh, um, using media and social media. Um, but uh, I want to first start out by uh, asking you. I mean, you know, what uh, what is so cool? What do you like, and what do you enjoy about uh, family medicine? Being a family physician. Oh, I'm probably like you. It's the developing lifelong relationships with patients to me that's just so rewarding. Um, I think that's our secret superpower as family physicians is the ability, the opportunity to understand patients from their perspective, from their history. Um, but on Friday I was up in Tehachapi and I could recognize what patient was next just by the sound of her voice. And I think that's oh. very special. Um, so what kind of uh, drew you towards you know, medicine and family medicine. Is, is is there somebody in your family that that is in medicine, or? No, I'm the first physician in my family. Um, I went to uh, Brown University, which had a program in liberal medical education, and so I majored in anthropology. So I had an interest in diverse cultures. And um, as a medical student, I went to Kansas City for the national conference. And I realized walking around that these are my people. This is where I belong. And I think that's what most students are looking for, you know, just a place where they feel like they belong. And every time I go to an academy meeting, I have that sort of feeling of belonging reaffirmed. So I know I made the right choice. Um, and, and match day was just uh, last week. Um, uh, did, do you remember back then, uh, your, your your match day? Uh, what, what memories yeah. do you have of that? Yeah. How can I forget? Everyone will never forget their match day. 
Um, I so I trained in Providence, Rhode Island, and I applied only to programs back in California, trying to get back home. Um, and I was thrilled to match with the uh, Kaiser program at Los Angeles Medical Center on Sunset. It completely changed my life and developed really the type of patient-centered medical home model of practice that um, that I am doing now. I continue to work for Permanente Medical Group in, uh, in Bakersfield. So it's really, you know, every match day is very pivotal. That's great. That's great. Did, did you remember back to, uh, you know, second year and third year and, and uh, it, uh, during those rotations, I mean, was uh, what, what kind of drew you towards family medicine? Was it, was it, was it a moment there? Or was was it like you know, like me? You know, I kind of liked all my rotations, and I'm like, oh, I think family medicine fits the best for me. How did you know um, what what uh, specialty you wanted to choose? Yeah, you know what? I still very vividly remember my community uh, health road clerkship. Um, we did it in Blackstone Valley in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and it was a community health center that really. Uh, served the underserved population, the working poor, and um, I followed around this middle-aged family doctor, um, and she had this beat-up car, a really disorganized office, and I just thought, this is what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. Um, so let's kind of shift towards uh, this, uh, the, the current medical center story. And uh, your husband gave me the, the article about uh, when it all was starting to break it and happen. Um, and you pointed me towards uh, Tiffany. Um, how, how did you get involved with this story? How did you first learn of the announcement of closing of the uh, current medical center family medicine residency program? Yeah, my husband is a blogger. He's a dad blogger. He's, he's able to stay at home with our kids. And so he's very connected into social media so um, I am on Facebook ten times a day, probably more than that. And really? I thought to speak. Oh yeah, like, I'm totally like addicted to Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> we have to have a, a some kind of session about that. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we do. We need. I do. Um, so I saw Tiffany's post. It was late on a Thursday night before the news uh, broke on the in the paper the next day. Um, and that's when we just started the fires going and started to figure out how can we prevent this from happening. And things sort of took off really fast. I happened to um, have already scheduled a Kaiser event on the Saturday after we heard the news um, where the, one of the county supervisors was already scheduled to attend. So because Tiffany um, let the news out on Thursday, I was able to print out some articles from the AAFP news website about the Duke residency and the uh, Modesto residency to hand to the supervisor, Karen Goh, on Saturday. Um, just to, and I used some skills that I learned through the California Academy um, when I attended the Congress of Delegates and our yes. government relations director um, holds a session at our Congress of Delegates about how to develop relationships and to really use the skills that we already have as doctors to establish relationships with our government uh, representatives. So I basically talked to Karen um, Go, the county supervisor at our uh, Kaiser event. Um, we were supposed to, she was one of our keynote speakers. And I said, you know, I just want to be part of the solution. Let me know how I can help. I have plenty of resources. Here are two articles. Um, and so I sort of approached her in a very friendly, sort of productive, constructive way. And I think that really opened um, the door for me. She began calling me. Her assistant called me. And I was having a lot of behind-the-scenes conversations with her throughout this uh, episode. Now, your husband has... Uh, does he work for the paper, or he has friends with the paper, or I, I heard there was a, there was some kind of link there. Is that right? Yes. Uh huh. When um, I think a couple years after we moved here, he was working for the Californian. He was their social media um, community manager for the paper's blogs. Oh, great, great, great. Mm -hmm. um, and just to clarify, I mean, the current medical center that is a that is a county run. Um, that's where they get their funding. It's the county. It's a, it's a public entity. It's a public hospital. Is that right? Exactly. 
So that's why we were focusing on advocating to the Board of Supervisors because they were sort of the overseers of the whole uh, hospital. Uh, now, did you have a sense of, um, you know, you know, um, as far as for the rest of the hospital or or the the advocacy steps that the residency program they were taking, in addition to the steps that you were taking and other people were taking? Um, Tiffany, Dr. Tiffany Pierce, put me in touch with her contacts at the residency. Since I'm pretty much an outsider, I'm not a graduate of the residency, um, and we communicated by text, so I was able to attend the meeting that was set up by the chief resident, uh, Rocky Chavez, with the chair of the Board of Supervisors. So as I attended that meeting and listened to the residents describe from the basics of what kind of work they do, because the, the uh, chair of the board had really no idea how a residency ran. Um, I, I watched them educate him about what the basics of family medicine was, and then I took some pictures and posted those to Facebook, as we were meeting uh, with that board of supervisors. So, what was the what was your pitch? What what was the case that you've made? What was the materials that you brought? And saying one, um, you know, this is what a residency program does, and two, this is how family medicine uh, not only benefits the hospital but benefits the community in general. Exactly, that was exactly their point. Just to just explain basically how take, removing residents, six residents, was not a simple solution to their problem and would probably complicate their financial issues much more. Um, and, you know, Tiffany uh, said, you know, there was some, in her opinion, propaganda that was put out by the administration and things. And is um, is that something that you saw that the media picked up as well or the community picked up? Or is it just something that, you know, that the community knew, you know, that this is not the right information that is, that is being uh, touted out there by the administration? I think most of the community were sort of outside of all of that. We just understood that the residency program was an important pipeline to the community and that not accepting a first-year class is really the first step to eliminating the residency and that he, the CEO was really sort of under, um, he was blowing it as just a temporary break and he wasn't really representing accurately what a deep, wound this would be to the residency program. So that was mainly from our perspective as outsiders that you know, we know how hard it is to recruit people to the county um, and to eliminate the main pipeline of physicians would just be devastating to um, an already underserved area. Um, on the line with us, we have uh, Michelle Kiyogi, who's the president of the uh, Kern County Academy of uh, Family Physicians. She's sharing her story uh, about the uh, Kern Medical Center Family Medicine uh, Residency Program. Um, and, Michelle, um, so uh, in those early days, um, as you're trying to figure out and trying to coordinate with people, um, you know, w was there a plan with that with that small group of people is trying to say, you know, we want to try to contact these key people or we want to try to contact the media or we want to try to educate the community? Because uh, I know I have a lot of people who ask me, you know, Mike, you know, I, I have this issue, you know, that I'm really passionate about in my community, um, but I have no idea on how to, you know, where to outreach, how to outreach, um, what was the plan or what, or what was your personal plan to try to get that information out to educate the community on this, uh, on this announcement? Um, Dr. Ray Neufeld was the founder of the residency. He's also an academy member. So I had met him a couple times in the last few years at academy meetings in Kern County. Um, he emailed me to find out what the academy was doing and I was able to provide him and his group of alumni within the um, town a time and a meeting space and dinner so that we could all make a strategy and a plan. So uh, as the um, academy leader, I was able to bring, make a space to facilitate that sort of conversation. And so we had... Um, the faculty, the residents, alumni, and outside community docs who weren't involved intimately uh, to come meet the week before the super county supervisors' meeting to develop a plan and a strategy. 
So did, did that involve um, things like letter writing or phone calls or using social media? Kind of what was the plan uh, that came out of that? Right. We, we, we decided on sort of three objectives, and our plan was to write letters to the editor but also letters to our specific um, county supervisor with that, um, you know, within our district. Um, we also planned on all attending the March 12th county um, meeting, the Board of Supervisors meeting, and sort of being strategic, knowing that each of us would only have two minutes at the microphone. We didn't want to be repetitive, so we wanted to make each point really count. So it, it, so, so the team kind of developed uh, talking points, and, and it was split between the people who were going to be speaking. Is that what happened? Right. We developed talking points, and we asked everyone to just pick one and and personalize it to really make a, a most uh, impact in two minutes. Now, before that March 12th meeting, did, did you have uh, did you get any response from any of the supervisors or from anybody that that you contacted? As as did you have any kind of feeling of of how that meeting would go before people showed up there on the 12th? Yes, the program directors met with one um, supervisor. The residents met with another supervisor, and then, as I mentioned, I had just surreptitiously um, a meeting with a third supervisor. Ooh, surreptitiously. So you really can't talk about that, can you? <laughs> no, no, not surreptitiously. <laughs> what did I mean? Serendipitously. Serendipitously. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> uh, and, and th- th- there was some response from the uh, local paper out there. They had not one, but they had two, looks like, uh, positive op-ed, positive uh, editorial statements uh, supporting uh, uh, the movement, supporting uh, what you guys were doing to try to keep that, uh, um, try to keep the program open. Did you know that you were going to get those uh, letters from the paper, or was that a complete surprise when they showed up? No, that was a complete surprise, and that actually was the theme of that March 12th Board of Supervisors meeting. I mean, we had our plan that we could not have planned the community support that showed up that day. Um, the room was filled to beyond capacity, and we heard from other departments uh, within the hospital. We heard from subspecialists from the community. Um, we heard from kidney specialists, endocrinologists. We heard from pharmacists, um, physician assistants. I think one of the testimonies that really swung, um, not swung, but really impacted the board was testimony from the Kern County Economic Development um, Organization and also patients testified on how much the residence um, program was um, valuable to them. So were, were you guys part of that organizational uh, group there, or was there I, – I mean, I presume there were a lot of other groups uh, organized in there, but were, were you guys aware that was going to happen or not? No, I wasn't aware at all. So, you know, we we're, we may not be as undervalued as we think we are in, in family medicine. I know in, in academic centers sometimes it feels like that, but in the patient's eyes and in the community's eyes, you know, we really are the primary care provider for a lot of families, and they really do see our value. Yeah, tell me. Uh, you know, I, I know very little bit about uh, very little about that community. Uh, can Can you paint the picture for me, Michelle? I mean, as far as you know, what kind of community is it? Is it a big community? Is it a small community? Is it how big is the hospital? Um, I guess kind of describe things for people who are not out there. Um, you know, kind of what the situation is, and you know, which kind of would emphasize the importance of of family medicine in that community. Well, we're we're kind of a historically rural area. It's mostly agriculture and oil industry here, um, but it's growing into over a quarter million people. So. Um, it's but it still retains its small town feel. Um, I even ran into one of the supervisors, Karen Go, while I was walking my dog. So it's still a very hometown feel where you can know people. Um, and so I think one of the things I value the most and why we stayed here as a family is because people really do pull together and are not afraid to speak up for things that they believe in. Um, and so I was really pleasantly surprised when so many people showed up to support the family medicine residency that day. 
Um, uh, is there other residencies in that area there, or is there? Uh, you know, I mean, there's a primary care need you know, all over the place, but um, is, right. Is, this is, is the it, only residency program in the county, the only family medicine training residency for the county. Wow! Uh, so that would have a, a huge um, impact um, if if they proceeded with closing of that program. Right, and the county hospital is the major safety net, you know, because of all the state budget cuts, a lot of private offices are no longer accepting Medi-Cal or Medicaid. Um, so the county hospital really is the main safety net for most of the Medicaid um, patients. Um, so let's, uh, I know you talked a little bit about it already, but that March 12th meeting, um, you know, kind of described the, the uh, the setting for us, you know. I mean, I saw pictures from the from the TV news. There's a lot of people there. Um, how many people were there? How how is that meeting kind of set up? Is uh, I know there's an agenda and things. And you know, did, did the supervisors say something before they took testimony, or or how, how did that kind of work? So this is a monthly meeting that they have at KMC, and the issue of the residency was actually seventh on the agenda. But because of the big turnout, the chair, you know, asked the audience if it was true that he's assuming that we were all there to testify for item number seven. So he um, made the decision to go ahead and jump to that item to begin with um, to get most of the people testimony and then um, so to sort of empty the room and they could then proceed with the rest of their business that day. So they um, had the CEO give his um, report um, at the the previous two weeks. Um, the prior two weeks, there was a board of supervisors meeting where they asked uh, the CEO about the proposed closure, um, which was not part of that agenda. Um, and so they asked him to prepare a report for the March 12th. So he presented that report basically stating again that there was this, you know, millions of dollars of cost in the residency and that um, he was making this decision in order to save the hospital. Um, And then the testimony went on for almost three hours. Wow, three hours. Yes, the meeting was at 2, began at 2, and we were there after 5. Person after, and each person only gets two minutes, and he kept very strict to those two minutes. So it was just person after person giving their two minute testimony on why family medicine is important to them. And only half of those people were the family medicine docs at the, at the, at the academy meeting that I had planned. Over half of the testimony was from the community. Um, so were there people cheering there? Were everybody remained civil and said their thing and moved on? Or what was kind of the sense um, in the room there during you there, know, that three-hour period? There was some cheering, yeah. And so the chair did have to remind us that this was a business meeting, um, especially, you know, there was also a couple. Dr. Raymond Neufeld testified um, because he he founded this program to begin with, so he had some very passionate words Um the older docs were very, were cheered, and then also the residents who gave very passionate testimony about how you know this residency is is their home, is their family, is their life. They they practically live in the hospital, um, so that was very moving to the community. Um, um, so so after that three hours, did they then vote, or did they have to finish their entire agenda and vote, or what happened there? They um, voted right away, so they didn't move on to the other items of the agenda. Um, the Board of Supervisors um, discussed amongst themselves while we were witnessing um, the discussion, and it was obvious to us that they really took to heart a lot of the points brought up um, by the um, community and by us. Um, and then they asked um, myself and one of the pharmacists to come up and answer a couple of their clar- of questions to clarify um, questions that they had. And then they took a vote. There was a motion to direct the CEO to begin recruiting first-year medical students to fill the first-year residency slots, which was seconded and then approved by all of the supervisors unanimously. And we were almost in awe looking at each other, thinking, did that really happen? Did he really just say that? 
um, and everyone erupted into cheers and tears again. Wow, that's that's uh, that's a that's a great story. I mean, I just uh, uh, um, I mean, did, did you ever dream that that would happen, or did you guys think that this is a business decision? It's strictly business. You know, there's nothing we're going to do. We're going to do our best to to make our point, to make our pitch. But ultimately, still, you know, in their minds, a business decision, and we're going to plan for the residency program to close. Exactly that. And, you know, because you just get used to making your voice heard, and then they go into some closed room and make, you know, their decisions without you. Um, But it really turned out very different. It was very transparent. Um, The Board of Supervisors was very thoughtful, um, and it was so quick see a difference and, and see the advocacy have such results so quickly was very unexpected. Um, so I know you guys aren't done yet. Um, from what I understand, I mean, that that, that hospital, uh, just from the reports that I'm reading, um, still having some financial difficulties and, and uh, finances are still a, 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 an issue or still will be an issue for that. And a long-term solution is still um, kind of has to be figured out um, uh, what kind of things are, are, is the group going to be doing to, to try to continue the fight and so this won't happen next year or in six months or, you know, any time in the future? Well, Kelly Langston, the new um, physician workforce director for the academy, will be coming down next uh, Tuesday to meet with um, our members here in Bakersfield to talk about these next steps. So i really like to bring the patient-centered medical home model to the county um, they could really benefit from that in terms of improving their bottom line and improving their health outcomes. I had heard from the CEO's testimony that the current wait line for patients is almost three months to get an appointment with their primary care doctor. So that's something that really needs to be improved in order to really um, see the benefits of family medicine. Um, on the line with us, uh, we have um, family medicine crusader and fighter. Uh, Dr. Michelle Kiyogi, uh, sharing her story here, and it's just it's just a great and incredible um, story. Um, I like to shift things a little bit here, and um, you know, it's it's uh, it seems like you've always had an interest um, in advocacy and leadership, um, and and um, being proactive. Um, have you always had that? Does that trace all the way back to? you know, med school or college or even high school days, your 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 passion to make a difference? Oh, yeah, I went to Girls State in high school. Did you, do you have that in Ohio? Yeah, for so for people Girls who don't State know what that Boy is, um, uh, describe what that is. I think that's run by the American Legion and the American Legion Auxiliary, and they basically take kids from um, all the state, all the cities, and take them to some remote location and college for a week in the summer, and we all become like government officials. That's what I remember. I remember my roommate running for mayor and was running for state controller. All this kind of state government stuff that you learn as a junior in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I presume that carry through to college and med school, and and uh, you remember some of your. Uh, uh, some of your leadership positions or some of the things that you guys did to try to uh, you know, be advocates for patients um, and, and for, uh, you know, med students or residents or uh, the specialty? You know, I feel like in I, in medical school I was so busy. <laughs> I don't re- I remember vo- doing a lot of volunteering and not a lot of crusading, just trying to survive. But we did a lot of volunteering in the community, Um and then, um, you know, doing, we, we rotated chief resident duties at my residency, so we all had a chance to be uh, leaders. Um, it wasn't until I joined the uh, California Academy of Family Physicians back, I think, in 2007 that I started really getting involved in leadership development, and, and I'm currently um, the physician champion for diversity and culturally responsive care in Kern County, Kaiser Permanente. Wow. So, so what do you, uh, you know, what do you tell physicians? You know that that say, hey, you know, I don't, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for leadership. I mean, I, you guys can do it. You know, we, we, we don't need to do it. We're, we're in our office, or we're in our residency program, or we're in academics. You know, we don't have time for this type of stuff. You know, what, well, what do you tell those people to try to, try to get them going, try to get them upset, try to, try to get them to be advocates as well. 
What I tell them is that this kind of work gives me energy. It doesn't take energy to do this. It really renews your passion. It gives you energy to do this kind of work and meet people like you and other leaders at um, the Kansas City meetings and our Sacramento meetings here in California. Um, It's inspiring. It doesn't take any energy away. It only makes you um, more focused and more effective, and it gives you tools to really enjoy the work that you do that's family-based. Uh, and, and you said you went to some California Academy events uh, having to do with advocacy. I mean, what kind of skills did you learn there? I, I think you mentioned how to talk to a legislator, how to write a letter or an op-ed, or um, was it kind of like those type of things in, in addition to, like, media training? Is that what that session yeah, was about? Yeah, all, all those sorts of things. So we have a lobby day in Sacramento where we uh, schedule meetings with our representatives. Um, and so we get sort of briefed by our government relations directors and staff about um, what the current issues are, are in our state. And then he really encourages us to use your skills as a doctor. You know how to talk to people. You know how to listen. Um, and you know how to be an educator and a resource. And that, he says, is really what legislators are looking for. They can't know everything about everything. So it behooves you to become their resource for healthcare issues. So, so when you mention something like patient-centered medical home, and this legislator looks at you like a deer in headlights and don't know what the heck you're talking about, they think you're talking about a different language. What do you say to them? What do you say to legislators about patient-centered medical home? What does it mean, and why is it important? Oh, that's a good point. We also have a media relations training as part of our Congress of Delegates. And our media director helps us to refine our message, stay on topic, get our sound bites, and and um, constantly repeat ourselves and not and use jargon. I think that that has been very helpful too. So what I tell um, what I like to tell legislators about the patient-centered medical home is to sort of elicit what their experiences are with their personal physician. And isn't it better when you're not seeing someone who you may never see again? Isn't it better when you are being taken care of by someone who really knows who you are and where you come from? And most people can relate to that. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's easier to kind of try to make it really, you know, simple, uh, like a simple type of message. Um, I've had uh, people, you know, tell me all these charts and graphs and all these kind of numbers and stuff, which can be very confusing uh, to people. Um, but I think, you know, that, that type of simple message can really resonate, um, especially when you see them again or when you follow up with one of their staff members or say, hey, you know, this is, that this is why, uh, patient-centered medical home is 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 very uh, important. Uh, to, so in that community, so are there um, patient-centered medical home sites, or or not really that not yet? Um, here in Bakersfield, I think the Kaiser Permanente is doing a good job at being a patient-centered medical home. Um, the other HMO, GemCare, is also on well on its way. I also have some private practices that are using TransformMed and um, the database there to help transform their practice into patient-centered medical homes. Um, when I gave my testimony at the county uh, board of supervisors meeting, I only had really just 10, 30 seconds to explain what it was. Um, and again, I, I, I had to contrast what the CEO was saying, that the residency program was not productive, that they had provided several opportunities to become more productive by seeing more patients, and he was arguing that the family medicine uh, department refused to become more productive. Um, So I had to make the point then about the patient-centered medical home not being volume-based, that you know that if your doctor spends less, time with you because they have to see 10 patients an hour, that you don't develop trust, you don't get better, um, and that doctors need to be empowered to see less patients, actually, in order to get better health outcomes. Uh, and then uh, you just mentioned before coming on the air here that you're uh, you're on a, a commission for the American Academy of Family Physicians. Uh, uh, what is that? And I think you said you're on a, a subcommittee as well. Yeah, this is my first year. I was appointed to the Academy's Commission of Public Health and Science, 
and the Subcommittee on Health Equity, which um, relates to health disparities, uh, social determinants of health, cultural uh, proficiency. So it's basically trying to get at the populations that are not receiving equitable care. Uh, and this, this is your first commission? Yes, I've never been on a commission before. So um, how uh, <laughs> how was that experience like going in there and you know I'm 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 sure they probably gave you a huge agenda to uh, to review. I mean I've been on commission before, so it's always interesting and uh, I always uh, like talking to people who have went through it the first time and and how how was that whole experience for you? Because it could be very overwhelming, especially people who have never been on a commission before. My favorite part was just meeting the folks on my commission. Um, they all come from very diverse backgrounds, and I had a really nice time learning um, from their experiences. Those agendas are monstrous, but I learned so much, um, and I look forward to learning more as that time goes by. Um, it seems like it went so fast, even though the, the agendas were huge, time goes really quickly. <laughs> um, and, and I know we talked a little bit before uh, we got on the air that um, you're not going to be going to the uh, National Conference of Special Constituencies meeting uh, this year, uh, but I'm going to be presenting there about social media and family medicine. I'm also going to be uh, presenting at the student and, uh, and resident meeting. Um, so uh, I'm going to this question I'm going to ask you. I'm going to put in my presentation. <laughs> so so here's the question. Okay. Um, uh, so given this past week. Uh, in Bakersfield. Uh, so what advice would you give to those attending NCSC, to residents and students attending the, you know, summer meeting? Uh, what would you say about, you know, family medicine revolution? What would you say about how they can make a difference for our patients, our communities, and our specialty? I think I would tell them to make friends with you on Facebook and to friend everyone <laughs> And to friend everyone that meets at NCSC, that's what I did this last time, and um, I learned so much about what's going on all across the country, from Michigan to Florida to Ohio, because of the friends I met at NCSC. So keeping in touch on Facebook so you have a pulse on what's going on um, I, I, is the most important thing. Um, and uh, you know, it's 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 just it's been it's just been an incredible story that uh, that I've only been kind of following on the social media. And uh, um, uh, before we kind of uh, close things up here for tonight, is there any details I forgot, or is there anything that that you would want to to, to say to to uh, um, you know to finish up the story at this point, or or to kind of you know let people know? you know, other things that you would like to happen or your goals in the future, you know, for this community and for this residency program? I think I'm really inspired by the fact that we are not alone in this fight. Um, we may feel like the underdogs, but in the eyes of your patients and in your communities, uh, family medicine is worth fighting for. So if you're willing to step up, you're not going to be alone. That's uh, those are very very wise words, very wise words. Um, and you know, I, I do want to give credit to your to your husband who gave me a heads up on Facebook about this, and uh, I didn't know that he was a social media uh, the guy uh, for the uh, for the newspaper. That's uh, that's very cool. That's very interesting. Um, and uh, just following the both of you, I mean, you guys seem to look you're going here and there and everywhere, and uh, uh, being involved with the community, being involved with your interests. Um, it's it's just fabulous uh, what you guys are doing out there. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Um, let's see here. Um, I don't think I had any other questions at this point. Um, so have you, uh, so you know, um, and you've known uh, Tiffany before, is that how you guys kind of connected? Um, I knew, I met Tiffany because she was the only one who had come to my academy meetings five years ago when I first started <laughs> trying to get the academy together in Bakersfield. So uh, that's how I met her. So we were pretty much the whole academy a long time ago, and it started here at Bakersfield um, for a while. But we've slowly um, gotten more and more pe uh, people to show up at our meetings. So she uh, sets up our, our meetings up in Sacramento with our supervisors, and um, she's a really powerful lady. 
Wow, that's great. That's great. Well, somehow I could use uh, social media more effectively. I tried to tweet more, but I'm not sure what I'm doing there. (laughs) Hey, you know, we 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 all started there. Like, you know, I I didn't, you know, when when I started my Twitter account, I didn't I didn't touch it for six months because I didn't know what to do with it. I was making fun of it, and um, so it's you know, it it just takes a little bit a little bit of time, you know, and. uh, um, I know you have a good resource there to to ask, um, and uh, but yeah, I mean social media. I, I think really, you know, without social media, I would never learn of this story, um, and to share it with my audience here and to let them know what you guys are doing out there, um, how they can apply it to their own communities, not only when it comes to a closing of the program, but any kind of family medicine advocacy issue uh, when it comes to patient-centered medical home or other type of issues. Um, you know, social media is just so powerful, and uh, I think moving forward, I really think that family docs really need to know how to use it, how to, how to utilize it, um, because our patients are using it, and uh, that is uh, something that's key for me. That's part of my message to get out there. Do you use it to help educate patients? Um, I do. I do. I, I, I do use it uh, a little bit. Um, I wish I had more time to uh, to make, you know, a little uh, – blog posts focused on uh, patient education or YouTube videos. Um, I just need more time to do that. Um, but there are a lot of great examples out there, but I, I, I hope to utilize that more. I guess my passion right now is, is, is using social media for advocacy purposes, and then, and then if I have more time, to try to use it for other areas of my professional life. So I've, I've friended a couple of the local representatives, our, our congressman and our state senator, have you ever found those sorts of Facebook associations to be productive? Um, I, I use it just to get information, um, and I, if I try to reach out for them, there are other more efficient ways to do that. Um, but um, you know, if for anything else, it, it lets me know where they're at with things as far as this is what they're doing or this is the press release for the week or for the month. Um, so at least gives me a framework uh, to work with uh, you know, before reaching out to them. That's a good point. So it's more of a, a an information resource for you. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I don't see a lot of people using it for a two-way communication as of yet. Um, I think um, this year, uh, this uh, election cycle, um, especially um, at the federal, state, local level, uh, we're going to see, uh, I think, politicians um, not only listen on social media, but maybe um, dialogue a little bit about it. I think, you know, like other people, you know, they're, Hesitant to dialogue on it by, for right now, but I think uh, um, I think we'll see what happens in the next few months leading to the election. Um, how they hmm. use social media differently this time versus the last election cycle. Mm-hmm. Well, I found it very useful to help spread um, news very quickly from all of our interconnectedness. It really does a good job of of leveraging the six degrees of separation concept. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, especially when it comes to Twitter. Um, Twitter, um, what I tell docs is, uh, you know, you use Twitter most effectively at live events like big meetings, like state meetings or national meetings. <clears throat> and in that way, you can spread the information out quickly and even dialogue with people either at the same meeting or people at home. There's a lot of meetings where I'm sitting at home um, in the office seeing patients and I'm seeing what is happening at these state and, and national meetings and I'm mm-hmm. able to partake in the meetings, get feedback, um, and that's kind of a dialogue. So so that's kind of where I direct family docs when it comes to Twitter, uh, Facebook a little bit too, So, but that's how I utilize it. Okay. Uh, I've been using Facebook more to help develop relationships, you know, just uh, make friendships with people like you and also um, board of directors of the AASP I mean, you really get to know people, I think, when they're through their Facebook account. They're really personal. Uh, um, yeah, and, and you can always uh, you can use it for organizations. I I, uh, I like a lot of Facebook organization pages, and uh, I think I have found that valuable too. Sometimes from a dialogue aspect, but usually just from an information um, aspect. Um, I have found that um, um, I, I utilize that a little bit more than the usual email newsletter. Um, but that's just me. 
um, because all these organizations have email newsletters, which I think are dumb. Um, I don't use them that much. Um, but on Facebook, you can kind of see, you know, how they utilize, you know, the social media presence, whether it's pictures or whether it's um, uh, press releases, uh, whether it's links. Um, so you can kind of see how savvy the organization is um, by how good their, their Facebook page is. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, Michelle. So um, any other questions for me? I think it's been a great dialogue. I, I, I'm sorry I dominated the conversation, but uh, I, I, your questions to Oh, you, no, I felt like I, I also, dominated uh, the conversation. Very, uh, very valuable as well. So it's, it's been, it's been uh, such, a, such a good time. I, I hope to, uh, to meet you sometime. Um, I know. We about- haven't actually met in real life. That's right. That's right. I, I, I was out there uh, to give a talk to the residents and students back in back in the fall, and I met a lot of the uh, California Academy staff who were fabulous. Uh, yeah. And I, I got to meet some docs. I got to meet the uh, the president out there, Carol, and uh, she's she's fabulous. Um, but you know, one of these days, you know, whether it's a you know state event or or an AEFP event, we'll, uh, we'll we'll meet sometime. But this is this is the power of social media is, is to meet you this way, and uh, it's just been it's just great talking with you. Exactly. Hopefully at another NCSC. I can't stay away for long. Those meetings are addicting. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you'll you, you, you'll come back. I know it's a scheduling thing this year, um, but uh, yeah. uh, but I know it's the, I, I know that you'll uh, you'll be back. I don't. Know, do, do you go to a national residency student meetings? I'll be I'll be out there too. No, because I'm not really connected to a residency program per se, so I don't really go to those. But definitely okay. NCSC is one of the best meetings of the year. Great, great. Well, what? It's uh, how many have you been to? Uh, a couple or three, probably. Two or three. So, what, what, what did you get out of them? What, uh, what, what why should, uh, why should academy members go to NCSC from your point of view? They get re-energized, get up and personal with the leaders of the organization, and just to really understand what we're fighting for and what family medicine stands for, and. To get that feeling like, you know, belong, this is where we belong, these are my people, that's why I love going. <laughs> All right, very good. All right, Michelle, so uh, Michelle Kiyogi from uh, California, from, uh, uh, you work at Kaiser, right? That's right. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your story. I know this is not the end of the story, and uh, I'll be curious when, when the, the next step happens, and we'll love to bring you back to, to share your story at that point, and uh, just just great job out there. I know that uh, this is only the first of many steps that are going to be taking place um, out there, um, but you guys are doing great work, very inspirational uh, to the family medicine revolution community. Uh, so so thank you so much for coming on the show. It's It's been great talking with you. Thanks for giving us the attention, Mike. It's been fun. Talk to you next time. All righty. Uh, okay, kids, so um, – we have uh, just a couple minutes here, so just kind of closing things up uh, for the evening. Uh, you know, th- that's um, you know, th- we need more stories like that, kids. We need more stories like that. You know, telling you know how family medicine can make a difference, uh, how it can make a difference in your community, how it can make a difference from the state level, how it can make a difference at the national level. And you know, if you people out there, you know, if you have stories like this. You know, just go to familymedicinerocks.com, drop me a note, let me know what's going on. One of the ways I want to use this show, utilize this show, is to spread the message of family medicine, you know, that we are the solution to the nation's broken health care system. You know, we have the numbers. You know, we have the numbers that we give better care. We have the numbers that we save money. We have the numbers that we give better patient and provider and physician satisfaction. We have those numbers. There doesn't have to be any more studies. It's proven. So we just have to, you know, continue to get the ear of those in power, basically legislators or anybody else, and saying, hey, you know, we have the solution. We have the patient-centered medical home. We have relationships with patients. Um, and and this is why um, you know, we have the solution for it. And, you know, it, it's it, it's tough. It's tough out there. You know, pe- people are complaining about this. People are complaining about that. And it, it's hard and hard to get that message out there because, you know, the traditional media, 
you know, it likes to talk about, you know, bad news, lots of talk about negativity. That's what pushes ratings. That what, that's what pushes newspapers. Um, that's what gets uh, attention. Um, but I know, I really know that there are great stories out there um, about family docs, um, about family physicians, about communities that are doing great stuff, uh, you know, to give good quality patient care. Um, and we need to get those stories out there. We need to get to spread the story of family medicine. We need to get that out there using social media. That's one of my passions is to, is to get that story out there because I don't think that it is out there enough. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think that family medicine has really let other people tell our story over the past few decades. And I want to change that. I want to help change that. I want to help tell medical students that, hey, you know, you are good enough to be a family physician. You know, you're not too dumb. You're not too smart. You know, you're not too distracted. You're not too this. You're not too that. That's what family medicine is about. It's about relationships. It's about giving quality care. Um, you know, and, and, you know, we should be recognized for that. We should be compensated for that. We should be paid for that. You know, that is my message here, you know, and, and we need to do that. We need to do that more. We need to do that more than we are now. I'm going to be talking about this, you know, at the AFP um, National Conference of Special Constituencies. I'm going to be talking about that at the AFP National Conference of Family Medicine Residents and Medical Students. I'll be talking to anybody who will listen to me, even if it's just me, you know, and it's 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 going to come along, kids. You got you got to keep the faith. You got to keep the faith out there, kids. You know, it's going to get better, but we have to be proactive. We can't be reactive. We have to get out there and toot our own horn. I know family medicine, family physicians don't tend to do that, but we need to do that. And if we don't do that, if family medicine, if family physicians cannot be advocates for ourselves, then who will do that? Nobody will do that. We need to do that. Stories like this tonight, you know, inspire me, inspire me to continue the fight, inspire me to continue our message out there because I know that we will make it. I know that we will uh, be able at some point to make a major difference. We're making some, you know, small differences here and there and everywhere in small communities around this great nation and around the world. But at some point, I know it's out there. Uh, we are going to make a huge difference. Um, we just got to keep working on it. We just can't, you know, let them win, whoever they are. We have to get together. We have to, you know, work together um, to do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, my website, this show, other family medicine, social media friends, you know, will help that. I feel it happening. You know, I've been doing this for, you know, six years now. Um, but I really feel the tide turning, um, using social media to get our story out there. Um, I think this is going to be a huge um, year uh, in politics. I think family medicine, you know, has a role in that. We should, you know, take a bigger role um, in that. And, and this is our chance to, to make that kind of impact. That's all I have for you, kids. Thank you so much for uh, for joining me. Thanks uh, to my guest, uh, Dr. Pinocchio Yogi uh, from Bakersfield, uh, California. Um, continue that fight out there, friends. You know we got to do it. You know, I mean, we we got to carry on the torch. We got to do this for our patients. We got to do this for our communities. We got to do this for our nation. My name is Mike Savella. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, I didn't even get to talk about match day. Maybe I'll do that on the next show. Go to FamilyMedicineRocks.com. Hey, like the Facebook page for this show. And, uh, hey, keep your chin up, kids. It, it's going to get better. We are going to do it. Have a great week, and we will talk to you all very soon. Good night, everybody. Well, take it up, baby.